When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. This is the podcast that I started seven years ago and now almost 700 episodes ago because I wanted to talk to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and others who were doing cool things in business and shaking things up and making waves. And today we're going to talk about weird. And is it okay to be weird? Because it probably is. I feel kind of weird. You probably feel kind of weird. And our guest is an expert in weird. Hey, Shelly Brown. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here, Tom. And yeah, I am weird and sorry you. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I have a question for you. What do okay. you think is the number one trait of successful people in business? Self-awareness. Ah, that's awesome. And we'll talk about that in today's discussion. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership team. To learn more, visit stantonchase.com or you can reach out to me directly because I work with Stanton Chase. All right, so Shelly Brown is our guest today and she is a belonging and well-being expert. And for those of you who don't know Shelly, she helps leaders amplify experiences of belonging which is essential to human beings for, for their well-being, for their community, for their productivity, and their personal and organizational outcomes. And she is the author of the book called Weird Girl <laughs> Adventures. So, Shelly, when did you discover you were weird? Oh, my gosh. I think I can answer that. I was like 12 and I have a theory. Our weird doesn't know it's weird until it's judged by others. Cause <laughs> I don't think we think that we're weird until somebody judges us. And, you know, by the way, it's either odd or fantastic, strange or extraordinary. So pick your pick, which one you want to be. Well, I got to tell you, I think that I hid from being weird for most of my life. I think I grew up sort of under under a culture that, you know, you sort of fit the image. I sort of look like I stepped out of Accountants Today magazine with sort of this corporate look. And so I just fit into my little Brooks Brothers suit. And then one day I realized, uh, you know, that's part of me, but that's not really all of me. And I wish, I wish someone had told me when I was 12 years old that you can embrace that weird. But I want to take this now to the corporate world, because when we think of like, corporations and C-level executives, sometimes people are like, we don't want anything weird. So why is your message so important for the business world? 
First of all, that always makes me laugh because I get this image of like Gordon Gecko 80s bosses, you know, wearing suspenders and we're like intimidated because we're young and they're like these like larger than life people. But we've obviously, especially fashion wise, transitioned from there. But a lot of times we haven't really transitioned with the way that we present ourselves you know, look, the leaders of today were born of the 80s Gordon Gecko leaders. And there's still sort of this notion that somehow we have to be separate humans at work and separate humans outside of work. And there's no such thing as that separateness. So people, employees are looking for for more relatable, more authentic leaders, more vulnerability, more human leaders. And so as leaders showing our humanity and vulnerability will only serve to make us more successful because when we embody that, then we allow people to show up more who they are, which makes people more productive, which leads to better organizational outcomes. Well, you bring up a really interesting point, and that is that we've transitioned away from that Brooks Brothers suit. I mean, if you look around corporations today, people are wearing jeans and T-shirts and graphic T-shirts that are expressing whatever it is they believe in. And as you and I are both professional speakers, when we go to conferences, when I started speaking, it was expected that a man was going to be in, in a suit and a woman would be in the equivalent you know, level of dress to to that Brooks Brothers suit. And nowadays, many of the speakers are in, you know, tie-dyed t-shirts, they're wearing shorts, they got flip-flops on. However, so fashion-wise, we've gotten away from it. But have we gotten to that whole person being able to express yourself when you're on the clock? I, I don't think that we have. So so what do you think? You're you're so spot on. I mean, no, we're not taking pantyhose out of an egg anymore. But <laughs> that's always sort of my like, you know. The younger people have no idea what you just said. <laughs> Once upon a time. No, I won't go there. Um, you're right. So when we talk about being who we really are and being more authentic, it has nothing to do with how what we wear. It has nothing to do with piercings and tattoos and hair color. It has to do with perspectives. It has to do with point of view. And it has to do with preferences. Those are really what makes up individuality. And so when we can allow that in the context to work, because there still is a professional context, but when we can allow that as much as possible and allow people to be comfortable, have voices heard, have opinions heard, have perspectives heard, and not just heard, but getting curious about them, asking questions, listening and asking more questions, and then doing something with that information, that's when we get to really amplify the experience of belonging, amplify it through individuality, So it's interesting because, you know, there's so much being said right now for all the right reasons around this whole concept of, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion, because we want to be inclusive of people of different races, different genders, uh, different lifestyle, uh, you know, different lifestyles and also ages. Right. We're we're starting to see uh, ageism creep into this world of diversity. However, where does the, the sort of individual personality fit into this? 
Well, you know, it's it's so interesting because a lot of times if you think about a sales organization, right? Like you're ex- you you want your team to to have a certain mindset and work a certain way and and I think there's more and more recognition that people don't work the same way. Their their skill sets are different. Their gifts are different. The way that they go about things is not prescriptive. And so the individuality is recognizing that, you know, the person who isn't doing the exact same things like the rest of the team is also contributing in a really unique way. And how can you amplify the things that they're doing right, even when they're different? So I want to switch gears here. I've heard you talk about something called the ecosystem of belonging. And I love this. Could you explain to everybody what is the ecosystem of belonging? Thanks, Tom. Thanks for asking. So I think that there's this impetus for corporate leaders to amplify the experience of belonging. Like, we've, how are we going to make our people feel like they belong? What are we going to do? What can we do to ensure that we have this inclusive culture where everybody feels like they're part of it and all the other stuff that's going on? But the one piece that isn't talked about a lot is the individual's responsibility for their own sense of belonging. And when we come into situations no matter where it is in life, we have these narratives and stories that we tell ourselves. And oftentimes those narratives and stories can put a roadblock into our sense of belonging. So if I come into a situation and you are the most gracious, incredible leader who is doing everything you can, I still have this ability to put up this roadblock to sensing my own experience of belonging. And there's nothing that you can do if I come in with these narratives and stories. So it's my responsibility to be able to have the self-awareness or do whatever I can to cultivate the self-awareness to recognize the way that I put up a barrier to my own sense of belonging. So do you think we're getting better at finding belonging or do you think we're getting more polarized? I mean, with everything going on in politics and, and other areas of our, of our society, do you think we're getting better at this or do you think we're getting worse? I think it's both. And I think some people are, and some people are, and a lot of it has to do with the one question that you asked me at the beginning, which is, what do you think the most important leadership skill is? And that's self-awareness. I don't think we're taught how to be self-aware. And I think people, if you say, are you self-aware? They're like, oh, yeah, I'm self-aware. And it, it, there's an old story that, that I like to tell. Everybody knows what it's like for somebody to say, hey, did do I look fat in this outfit? I mean, I don't care if you're a man, woman, married, not married. You have probably been the recipient of that question, have you not? Sure, and there's no right answer, by the way. <laughs> exactly. And here is, here's the real thing. The person who is asking that question actually knows the answer themselves. So that's the simplest way that I can explain self-awareness. It comes down to sensing into the feeling of how you're being at that moment and the way that you're showing up. But self-awareness is obviously transcendent of that little example. But self-awareness is how am I being in this moment? And the problem is that we're not always present enough to assess and evaluate how am I being in the in this present moment, we're looking for others to tell us how we're being, or we're off in two months from now or a week from now or what happened two minutes ago. So we're, the self-awareness piece is the most important piece when it comes to the experience of belonging. So how do people 
get in touch with their self-awareness? How do people, how do people harness this? Because my experience is most people are not very self-aware. They're not because we're distracted and it's not just external distractions. It's what's going on in our heads. We're, we're too concerned about what's going to happen a week from now, tomorrow, an hour from now, or what happened before. And a lot of it has to do with the foundations of mindfulness. And I'm not talking about, you know, mindfulness for calm. I'm talking about mindfulness for being a badass of your awareness, <laughs> which means you're in the driver's seat and you know whether you're going right or left or you're staying in that lane and you see the road right in front of you that's right there. So I know that mindfulness is something that you talk about in all of your work. And so you have sort of a really accessible approach to teaching this mindfulness for people in the workforce. What do you do that's different than other mindfulness experts? So I come from the corporate world. I mean, I get the veteran badge at 25 plus years as a corporate veteran in private, public, public that went private, all kinds of different roles. And so I come to mindfulness as this skeptic who was like, "Uh uh-uh, I think it's for tea drinking yogis and I'm not doing that. And plus my third eye is going to open up. (laughs) So I really thought it was like this itchy, scratchy, ew. And I realized that it's not. And so I decided I had to make it accessible and approachable to other people. So I actually use rock music to help people understand what it is that we're doing. And you kind of have to pay me in order for me to flesh it out a little bit more. (laughs) And I can do that on stage for you, by the way, listeners. Um, But really, it's, it's the power of noticing. Well, give us a little bit more of your rock star mindfulness. Give it, give us what, right. you, what you can give us. Give it to us. Okay. It's kind of like an all or nothing thing, but all right. <laughs> so mindfulness is all about practicing noticing. When our mind has wandered, it's like, oh, you went over there. Let's bring it right back. And so music, I've always, I don't know why, but I've always listened to for one particular instrument through a song. Like I've practiced this thing since I was a kid. Like, okay, I'm just going to pay attention to a guitar or I'm just going to pay attention to the piano or I'm just going to follow this along through the whole song. And everything else kind of becomes background. And that's what we're doing with mindfulness. We're trying to stay present. We're practicing presence. So, for example, if you think of the Rolling Stones, you can recognize Keith Richards' guitar, right? Sure. So, so let's pretend you, you're listening to that song and you're hanging on to Keith Richards' guitar, but you get wandered off by Mick or Charlie or Rip Charlie or whatever's distracting you. You know that Keith is always going to be there with that jamming guitar and you can always find your home. That's what we do with the breath and meditation. But some people don't like to do that. So music is a great way to practice your noticing muscle. Hmm, I love that. I love that. Well, you guys need to get a hold of Shelly and bring her in to find out more about how to use music to get your team to be more mindful. Now, I've got more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to all of you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, 
growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people who are making waves like Shelly Brown. Hey, (laughs) if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right, so Shelly, you have kind of a whole process around this word weird, and you've taken it W-E-I-R-D. Tell us about the weird process. I sure will. So weird, the W is welcoming. And if we think about the tenets of hospitality, when we hire new people, we're like, yay, welcome, you belong here. And we throw them into an orientation and then we roll up the welcome mat just as soon as we rolled it out. So without getting too far into it, it's really practicing the tenets of hospitality and how can we be intentional about practicing those tenets throughout the tenure of that employee's experience. It's not just pizza parties because not everybody likes pizza, just in case you didn't know that. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. But suffice it to say, the W is welcoming. The E is engaging. And when I talk about engaging, it's all about presence, full presence. It's about that mindful listening, whether you are hybrid, virtual, in-person, people know when you are present for them. And, you know, engaging, whether it's showing up for that Zoom that you scheduled with your employee instead of leaving them waiting in the waiting room and then sending them a text, sorry, couldn't make it, I got time it up. It's, it's intention and being present intentionally. Um, the I is integrating and integrating is really something that has to do with that self-awareness piece. It's showing up with all of the different pieces of who you are, not just showing up as, you know, the person with the leadership hat on that is kind of dehumanizing. It's, it's, integrating all the pieces and allowing the other person to be exactly who they are, all the different sides of themselves too. So again, a little bit more than that, but that's high level. And then the R is risk taking. And it's kind of a, what, what risks are you willing to take to really show up as an individual? What risks are you willing to take to be a vulnerable leader to share stories, to share something that may be, you know, a little bit personal because there's only a certain set of human emotions. So you know that whoever you're sharing it with has those same emotions too. And it's what's, what, what is the risk if you don't show up with who you are? Are you suffering? Because if you are, everybody around you is going to. And then the D of weird is dynamic. We know things are fluid and changing, and that means when they're dynamic, you are allowing that fluidity and those changes to take place. And who doesn't want a dynamic culture? Sure. So that's the weird acronym. It's high level, definitely more in depth, but depth, but hopefully that gave you a good flavor. No, no, that's awesome. And the one that sticks out to me is the risk taking, because my motto for the last several years has really been try new 
things. What I discovered when I turned 50 was I spent a lot of my career, like I said, sort of hiding behind that image of of being the corporate guy. And what I found was it wasn't doing me any justice in the world of today and that I had to get out there and be myself and try things. And even if I was going to fail at something, it was okay to get out there and try. So that risk-taking one sort of really, really rings really strong with me. So how do you think that business leaders can be better risk-takers? Thanks. And I'm going to say one quick thing, because this is something we can both identify with. You're a runner and you know that I was an ultra marathoner and I I had a horrible injury um, from running through pain. And this is kind of a good example for taking risks and, and, and seeing if the risk is worth taking. Um, I identified so much with being a runner because I felt like I was a badass and it was accomplishments and it was achievements. And it was like, look at me, I'm an ultra runner. And then boom, my vertebrae collapsed on the nerves going down my leg. And then all of a sudden I wasn't who I thought I was anymore because I put my identity into something outside of myself. And thank God I had a great recovery. I'm not doing ultras anymore. I'm kind of plodding along, but whatever. The message about that when it comes to risk-taking and leadership is when we put our whole identity into profits, into, you know, revenues, which are really, really important, what are we, what are we not showing our people about ourselves you know, what are we, what are we not, what's the risk of not being who you are and only identifying yourself with your title, your role, with I know everything, with your lack of vulnerability, with your lack of humility, and with your lack of being able to really, really share your humanness with the people you lead. I think that's, and are that's you, awesome. Thanks. And are you willing to take the risks to do that? Yeah, and I think leaders have to be willing to show up 100% whole and to let their their sort of weird flag fly just a little bit because that's the yeah. world we live in. As we go in, you know, this uh, episode will be released just before 2022. Uh, as we go into this new year, I actually wanted to have you on the show because I think we're in a position where it's time for the weird to take over the world. I think the people, <laughs> the people who are a little edgy, who are a little quirky, who are willing to get out there and say, hey, we don't have to all fit into this one box. You know, I think those are the people who are going to thrive in the years to come. So where do you think people can grasp their weird and make it the foundation for their future? That is a great question. I love that question. So I have a theory that's been proven time and again, and that is that whatever we think our weird is, it's usually something that we can trace back to from a pivotal moment in childhood. Like, Oh, like I was always like really curious and, and did like super different things because of my curiosity. And our weird is always the thing that ends up serving us and others the most. And so if you think about what people are celebrating you for, maybe one of those things, and I'm talking about in your outside life, Maybe there's things people are celebrating you for, but yet you don't show that at work because it doesn't align with being a leader or, you know, being somebody who oh, want to really amplify to let your weird 
show because if people are celebrating that, the chances are the people in your work environment are going to celebrate that as well. Nice. So what advice do you have for leaders of companies who might be listening to this, who get the message of what we've talked about, but don't know where to begin? How do they start embracing you know, all of this uh, as a leader, but also for their employees? I think it goes back to that practice of self-awareness, really noticing the narratives and the stories that you tell yourself and then being curious about them and being able to question them. Is it true? Do I have to buy this? You know, it's going to pass because the narratives and the stories that we tell ourselves are not the truth. So when we notice those, that's exactly the time where the bravery and the risk-taking Sorry about that. Where the bravery and the risk taking to knock your microphone off the desk and say, I'm just going to go for it comes in. (laughs) All right. Last thing you recently did a TEDx talk. I I believe the title is what if weird isn't weird. Tell me about your TEDx talk. Tell me about the experience and when will that be uh, published so that people can go and watch it. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's for TEDx Sao Paulo, so it's international, and I did it virtually. It's going to be out December 15th. It is called What If Weird Isn't Weird, and again, it's talking about everything that we just talked about during this episode, and I believe that everybody, I don't care if you're the CEO, I don't care if you're a celebrity, I don't care if you are a star athlete. Everybody can trace back to a moment when they decided they were weird, when they felt, oh, my God, I am so weird. I don't fit in. I'm different. I'm unique. Everybody can trace back to that moment. And so I invite everybody into that moment. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember what it was like? And then I go from that to talk about what I call bullshit the space between where you are and where you think you should be or where others are telling you you should be that cause those narratives and those stories that that shame us and, and cause us to suffer. And then I talk about from there, just kind of allowing our weird, allowing those thoughts and the feelings that we believe separate us to actually be our greatest connection to each other. And when we get to that, our weird becomes our superpower, Nice. Well, as I said, I think I think we're in the we're in the world where people can put that forward. But we also still have little remnants of the old world. There's still a lot of people out there who are judgy, meaning that they'll take a look at you because, you know, you have spiky hair or because of the way you dress or because of your voice or or whatever it is. And they'll start judging people for those little things that they say, oh, you know, uh, I, I find it interesting that, you know, people who say like, oh, I don't I don't believe in judging people are constantly the ones who are judging people. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the people who are looking at our our quirkiness, our weirdness, and putting us in a box and wanting to shove us to the side? How do, how do we deal with the people who want to marginalize us? Ugh, that's a great question. And by the way, everybody judges. I think we're just, some of us are just quicker at noticing when we judge. And I think the antidote to that, there's no way to stop it because it's just human nature. The way, the best way to mitigate that is to, to be intentionally curious because when you're curious and you ask questions, that means you're opening up to really understanding. And that means that whether you're judging or not, you're, 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 you're going beyond that judgment to try to understand. And not everybody's going to do that. 
But that's an antidote to judgment is if we could all be more curious, all ask more questions, but questions and being really mindful and present to listen. And then after that, if you still judge, maybe you're going to be willing to share why. But instead of going into immediately putting that like shield up, then maybe you'll you'll you won't. But we can't we can't control other people's judgment of us. That is we can only decide true. we can only decide whether we're gonna allow their judgment to tell us who to be or dictate who and how and what we should show up as. Well, and that's my thing as I go into 2022, other people can judge all they want, but I'm not going to let them get me down. I'm just going to go out and do what I got to do to move forward and move that needle for my own business. Now, if somebody's listening and you're like, wow, I love this whole concept of weird girl adventures and what if weird isn't weird. And you're thinking, wow, we have a company meeting coming up or the association I'm with is looking for a great keynoter who might be a little weird. (laughs) Shelly, how would people find you if they wanted to hire you to come and speak? Well, thanks. So my website is Shelly with an E-Y, ShellyBrownOfficial.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and you can certainly find me on Instagram at ShellyBrownOfficial also kind of all over the place. So it's, it's Shelly Brown official, which leads me to believe there's an unofficial Shelly Brown out there who just was, was faster, <laughs> who was just faster at buying URLs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Brown is sort of one of those names, right? <laughs> well, I always tell people that that I own Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com, but I also own Tom Singer, T-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com, because early on I bought them both because I realized that people would go looking in the wrong place. They wouldn't think about the weird having the H still in it. So Yeah, uh, so it's e- kind of weird. Either way, it is kind of <laughs> weird. Either way, you can find me at TomSinger.com. Hey, Shelly, thank you so much for being a guest here on the podcast. It was weird and wonderful, Tom. Yes, it was. Awesome. (laughs) Well, and I can't wait until our paths cross again in person, but thank you for being here and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single podcast. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the show? So keep coming back and do me a big favor. Go tell your friends because when I talk to people and I ask them, how'd you find my show? They always say it was a personal recommendation from their boss, from a coworker, from a friend. Uh, One person told me, my mother told me that you suck less than other interviewers. And I said, (laughs) I'll take that. That should be like my business card. So uh, make sure you go and tell some friends. I also would appreciate it if you leave those reviews at Apple or Stitcher or Spotify. Heck, wherever you get your podcast love, leave those little reviews that talk about why you like the show. And in the meantime, go out there, flex your business muscles, go be a little weird and climb that career ladder. But make sure your career ladder is in the right place because you don't want to get to the top and realize you did all this stuff and it wasn't what you really wanted to do. So make sure you're climbing the correct career ladder. And while you're out there doing all these things, have some fun along the way. Go have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.